The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. And you're very welcome back to The Last Word. Ian Guider in for Matt today. Delighted to welcome into the studio somebody whom I think many people will know because Riverdance returns to the Gaiety Theatre in Dublin this evening and it will be there for the next couple of months. Uh, John McColgan, co-founder of Riverdance, is delighted to, jo- to be, have you here in the studio with me. John, you've called this show Riverdance 25. Now, of course, Riverdance dates back to 1994, but you had been looking at, I suppose, revamping the show and giving it a new twist. Exactly. Um, I, I and my team worked on it for two years because the 25th anniversary was coming up and, and I felt it. I needed to do something for it to be re-energised, re-visualised, refocused. And we put a lot of work into visuals. We re- Bill Whelan's uh, award-winning score was re-recorded, completely new, new costumes, new lighting. And then we rehearsed the show as if we hadn't done it before. So it, it, it when it arrived in the board gosh, it had an enormous impact. And people said, oh, my God, what have you done? It's better than ever. It's amazing some of the numbers here because this is not just an Irish phenomenon now. It's a global phenomenon. You've played to how many different countries and how many people have seen Riverdance? I'm open to correction. 40 countries and 500 million or something in that. that, uh, Maybe that's just people who saw it on TV. (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm just back from the United States and we're on a, a really successful two tour there and on St. Patrick's Day Joe Biden came to see us and we met him and he loved it and he was very complimentary and he's a very charming man and then we went uh, on from that to um, cities uh, all around the United States and we're still there I think we're touring there on this tour till the end of June What is it about Riverdance that gets not just Irish audiences, but international audiences, and has done that now for, as you said, you're now approaching, what, it's almost 30 years at this stage. It is, it is, it is. Um, that's, that's a question that has been asked many times, and there's no definitive answer. But one of the answers I, I, I give is that the performers on stage uh, are the best at what they do. They also believe in the art form, they believe in their culture, and they believe in themselves, which we encourage them to think like that. So on stage, it's not like uh, Les Mis or Phantom of the Opera. They're not playing characters. They're playing themselves who come from a deep and rich cultural tradition. So the audiences feel that and the sense of pride. And of course, they're rehearsed uh, to within an inch of their life in terms of precision so a combination of love for themselves, love for their culture, and again, encouraged by me and us to love what they do and to teach them. Uh, it's an ephemeral thing, but how to think about the audience, how to communicate with the audience without speaking. Because Irish dancing, you some people might have thought that doesn't translate to, because this is, uh, Riverdance has toured in Beijing, it's toured all over the world. How has it been able to be translated to such a successful, successful phenomena in different cultures? Yeah, and one of the things is there's no, there's no language barrier, so you don't have to do translations, except we have a voiceover which we do translate. But um, I think what, what really excites Japan and China and most countries is the precise 
rhythm of the hard shoe dance. I mean, they're awestruck by the precision and by the, the skill of the Irish dancers. And then, of course, um, people may or may not know that we have dancers from all over the world, from Spain, from America, from Australia. And we have dancers from the Eastern European, from Moldova. In the show at the moment, there's two dancers from Ukraine. At what point did you and your other company, you mentioned Bill Whelan and obviously Moya as well, at what point did you think to yourself, my God, this is absolutely phenomenally successful. This can keep going for years. Because other shows, and you'd know this, watching dance and theatre around the world, they have a limited lifespan. There was something about the show that was magic from day one. Did we know or did I know it was going to run as long as this? Certainly not. But Moya put it together as the interval act for the Eurovision and uh, I, I wasn't directly involved, but I went to rehearsals and Bill Whelan composed the uh, the music and did an amazing job. And when I went to rehearsals and Michael Flatley and Gene Butler were the leads and both of them were uh, eminently charismatic and different than what we thought of Irish dancers. They had a, uh, they had a touch of show business. They had a touch of sell and uh, they, she was beautiful. He was handsome and he had charisma and he was a great dancer. And when in the, when it, it eventually played in the middle of that Eurovision, um, there was a big bump and it stopped. There was silence in the theater for three seconds. And people were, had their mouths open and then they jumped to their feet as one person. And this roar, this kind of, uh, went up from the crowd. And you can see that on the playbacks today. And I had never seen that before in all my years in the business. And I thought there's something special here. And it's touched a nerve. Also, the audience weren't Irish fully. They were German. They were Spanish. They were Italian. Uh, and so, they didn't have to be connected to Ireland to that visceral response. You mentioned Gene and also Michael Flatley there, obviously, and you'd know this from working in the industry for a long time. Now, a lot of that is a lot of what makes a success of a show is down to the personality of the leads, whether they're singers or actor, actors, and they didn't last very long as the main as the main dancers. They 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 didn't, but they made a big impact, and it's a double edged sword. If we continued with Michael Flatley and Gene Butler, people would come to the show and want to see them. And if they weren't in it, they might be disappointed. So we've had a policy from then on of never uh, advertising the leads in each show. Uh, Currently, there are six leads, three pairs, and they rotate. And they're all the most brilliant dancers. So the audiences don't miss the star names uh, once the quality of the dance and the personalities are, is there, excuse me. Not at all. Were you concerned when Michael left and when Gene left? Because obviously Michael then went on to do his own Lord of the Dance show. He did. No, uh, it was a big drama and trauma at the time. I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't. Michael went out and we were having very difficult contract negotiations and it was like a poker game to him. And he went on British TV saying, nobody can do it, I know. Nobody can do it. The show can't go on without me. And uh, so I was behind the scenes saying it has to go on without him. We can't be held to ransom. And we went on. And then Gene Butler on the same night, uh, the promoter, Barry Clayman, our English wonderful promoter, who's been with us for 30 years, was standing there very anxious. And around the corner came Gene Butler on crutches. And he said, Gene, tell me you're joking. This is a joke. She said, no, no, I've, I've 
sprained sprained my ankle. So she wasn't on that night in London, and neither was Michael. And uh, my Moya Doherty and uh, Joan Egan, my dear friend, who was the boss at the time, were at the lobby. They couldn't even watch the show, and they were pacing back and forward. And at the interval, uh, they saw uh, a line at the box office, and they thought, oh, that's it, they're looking for their money back, and they were eavesdropping, and they were trying to book to come again. So it never, there was no hiccup. There was no pause in the momentum of the show, no matter who was the lead. I remember many years ago, going back a couple of decades ago now, I'm showing my own age here, but going back, I was in New York one time and seeing a line of people on Broadway queuing for Riverdance. And you kind of say to yourself, my God, like, obviously there's a huge Irish-American community but also, these were people from all over the world going in to see an Irish show on Broadway when you could have seen you know, The Lion King and all sorts of other commercial shows. When you cracked the American market, was it, was it a surprise to you that it was just not just the Irish expats? Was it a surprise? No, it wasn't. It certainly was designed by the creative team and myself to, to, to appeal to a, wide, a, um, a world audience. And I thought that Irish dancers had to be seen upside, beside the best uh, folk dancers in the world, Spanish or at the time Russian or African-American, and hold their own. And they did. So it's a multicultural show. It's not totally dependent on Irish dance, even though Irish dance is the, the driver of the show. And then people who come to it think it's an Irish dance show and then they're uh, astounded when they see amazing Spanish dance, they see amazing musicians. And uh, so it's a total experience. Looking at the developments over the last number of years, I think a lot of people would have gone, a lot of Irish people would have gone to Hamilton in the UK or in the US. Have things moved on a bit as well in theatre and in that experience that that caused you to refresh the show as well? Oh, yeah. Well, I, th- I think you owe it, to the, you owe it to the audience because a lot of our Riverdance business is repeat. People have seen the show three or four times, a lot of the audience. So I thought we did owe it to them and owe it to ourselves creatively not to sit on our laurels and to sit back and think, what can we do to make this more exciting and to make it better? And that's what we did. And I think a lot of the, 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 the big Broadway West, sorry, hit the microphone, Western shows, uh, do that. You have to reinvent and revitalize. And I think uh, Claude Michel and uh, Schoenberg and Les Miserables, they've, they've done that. They've reinvented and they've restructured the show. Phantom of the Opera has been refocused. You can't let it sit the way it always was or it's kind of in, in aspic. It doesn't evolve. Are you still able to attract the top dance talent from around the world? Yeah, they queue up to be in Riverdance, particularly Irish dancers. It's the pinnacle of their ambition. Even in an era where things are, as you said, they're being modernised. I mentioned Hamilton. Now you see on Broadway, you see in the West End of London shows taken from the movies that have high profiles. They attract in talent from TV and, and, and cinema as well. If you're an Irish dancer, and most of them start learning uh, a training when they're four or five, and by the time they come to us, uh, we run a summer school in the Gaiety every year, so we invite people to come and we train them. And from that training summer school, we pick um, the dancers for the, and they're the next generation. And it's they're they're not the same as dancers who are trained 
for uh, dances in musical theatre. Their, their passion and their focus is Irish dance. So we do get the best. And nowadays, uh, in the beginning, we would fly to London or New York or wherever to audition. Now we can do it online. So those who want to be in river dance, and we have people who audition them, we can do it online and we can do a short list and so on. And when they come to us, they're so thrilled and honoured and they know what's expected of them and we look after them very well. But river dance is the pinnacle, as I say, of their dance achievement. Do you think that over the next few years you will still be able to run the number of troops you have the way you would have had done in the early noughties? Um, at one stage we had, we had four shows touring and we don't have that. Was it now. too much? Was that too much? Was that it was, near, it was near too much. It was. I was on the road, you know, putting them one after the other together for nearly five years. And uh, at the time the demand was there. Uh, and now we do various tours with, with two shows. And this show is just uh, um, finishing a very successful tour in North America. And this tonight we open in the Gaiety Theatre. And that's a special uh, pride for me and for us. This is our 18th year spending three months every year in the Gaiety, which is unprecedented and phenomenal. And I have a great love for that historic theatre, oldest theatre in Dublin. My Auntie May bought me there when I was 12. And from then on, I've been to the Gaiety as a, as an audience member with Maureen Potter and Jimmy O'Dea and, and so on. And I've done specials with Maureen Potter, so I fell in love with her. But now here we are with Riverdance, treading the sort of honoured board of that stage that has seen you know, Fred Astaire and Bing Crosby and Peter Eustonoff and Peter O'Toole. The list is endless of great stars who worked in the Gaiety. It's been said to me that if you look at things that are very well known from Ireland that have moved around the world, people think of, sadly in alcoholic terms, they think of Guinness and yeah, Bailey's, but yeah. also think of Kerrygold. Yeah. But Riverdance is being mentioned as one of those brands that are instantly Irish recognisable. Do you think that will continue? Oh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, we're very lucky. The brand is is world-recognised, and there was a funny, not funny, but it was an interesting page in the Irish Times about, on the arts page about five years ago, they did a vox pop in the street with tourists. And they said, have you heard of James Joyce? And have you heard of Samuel Beckett? And have you heard... They said, no, no, no. Have you heard of Riverdance? Oh, yes, we know Riverdance. So it is, and in, in China... Uh, with 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 uh, in football and U uh, two, it's it's the most recognised brand. John McCulgan, we are sadly, I'm afraid, out of time. I could have spoken to you for another hour because it is a phenomenal success story and a phenomena that will probably continue for many, many years to come. John McCulgan, co-founder of Riverdance, thank you very much for coming into the last word today. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.